Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope everybody had a great Monday. Um, thank you for joining us this morning. We hope um, this is a nice little part of a slow week in sports, slow week in hockey, um, all-star break in a couple days. We have two games tonight, one game last night, three tomorrow. Um, we're going to do a little this day in hockey history, though. I'm going to talk a little... NHL draft coming up. A little bit of college hockey, too. College hockey's been really good this year. It's a great year for college hockey. If um, if you're a big fan of the blue bloods of in college sports, when it comes to like football, college football here in the United States, college basketball here in the U.S., um, and even college hockey. College hockey has its blue bloods with Boston College, Boston University, University of Minnesota, University of Michigan, you think of. Um, University of Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin, of course. Um, you can even think to like some of the older schools that used to have a lot of tradition and history, and maybe they're not as much um, a part of the scope now. I mean, you look at a school like Maine, and they're in the top 10 of the men's college hockey rankings right now. Um, they are currently fifth, so they're currently in the top five. But... With um, it's nice to see some of these older schools too, like Cornell up there. Cornell's been really uh, developing. They're good at developing hockey players when they come to Cornell. Obviously, Cornell's a school where you'll stay there for a good chunk of time. It's not really a one and done or two and done kind of school with a lot of these players. If you go to Cornell, you want to see it through and get a degree. Same thing for a place like Harvard. Yale's won a national championship in my lifetime. I watched it happen in hockey. I know they are in a different spot in their program's history currently. Um, and it is nice to see these schools like Arizona State, Omaha, who um, don't necessarily get that recognition as a blue blood. Obviously, Arizona State is a newer college hockey program. And there are a lot of good, exciting, new, young programs, too, that are popping up around the United States here. You have Augustana. You have um, Lindenwood is very exciting in St. Louis. I've heard a lot of really great things about the atmosphere at the games in St. Louis for college hockey. Um, but it is cool. If you look at the, the top 10, even right now, the top 15 of the men's college hockey rankings in the NCAA, it, it's cool. Boston College and Boston University played each other. Where I talked about that a little bit. It was the first time that those schools had played each other with uh, sharing the one number one and number two rankings in the country. And Boston College won both of those games, so they moved up to the one spot, and Boston University moved down to the three spot. They sandwich North Dakota, who's having a really good year. Um, it, it's All-Star Week. We're going to we're gonna talk some college hockey here because it, it's great. I mean, I'm going to watch uh, Boston University takes on Northeastern tonight. That's a home game for Northeastern. And obviously with that, you get to watch Macklin Celebrini, the probable first overall pick in this year's upcoming draft. Um, but you also have some other really exciting players. You have Vancouver Canucks first rounder, Tom Willander, who's been really solid for them. He um, is showing off just how much of a hard-hitting guy he can be. He's excellent with the puck. He um, He's the coveted right shot. Um, so everybody likes that about him. But a player I really like is Gavin McCarthy. He's a Buffalo Sabres pick, and He's been really solid every time I put on Boston University, so I hope to watch him tonight. Um, they also have um, just just a lot of—they have Aiden Celebrini, who's Macklin's brother. Is He's a very good player. Um, 
So BU is a very exciting program. Wisconsin's good. North Dakota, too. They, um, Reese Gaber, like I said, uh, I don't know if I brought up his name already, but he's having a great season um, over there, just leading the charge. Um, they also have Jackson Blake, who I think will most likely turn pro after this year. He's a Carolina Hurricanes pick, and um, I think he could even get NHL games at the end of the season. He's been playing that well. Um, so, and then you have these the much talked about Boston College line of Gabe Perot and Ryan Leonard and Will Smith, and you see them dotted around. Will Smith is currently sixth in NCAA scoring. Gabe Perot is third. Um, and don't everybody forget about Cutter Gauthier yet. He is eleventh in the nation in scoring. Um, I think he might lead in goals per game, but he is 19 and 23. So that, that's the only reason I make mention of that. Um, but Macklin Celebrini is right behind him too. Um, but all, all these guys are very impressive. And I think college hockey is better than it's ever been probably in terms of high end skill in what you have in some of these players, some of these picks Rucker McGordy for Michigan is leading the nation actually in points per game. Um, and he even missed a couple games because of injury, but he has 34 points in 19 games, just ridiculous. Um, Bradley Nadeau in, at the University of Maine, him and his brother Josh have been the catalyst behind an awesome revival of that program. The games look very fun there. The fans look really into it. The coaching staff is going to benefit from this in a recruiting sense for years to come. Um, people are going to now look at Maine again as another option for high-end level college hockey. And as far as turning them into pros and moving on to the next level, obviously we've seen a lot of pro NHL guys, successful NHL guys come from the University of Maine. But um, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a really high-end first-round pick come from Maine. So um, Bradley Nadeau definitely fits that bill. Um but college hockey is exciting. It's really cool. We've we've done the shine for junior hockey too, and I, I love junior hockey as well. It's a different age group almost. Um, it, it's a, it skews a little younger. The players don't get as old as they do in NCAA Division One hockey. Um, but and and the NCAA obviously is taking more of a share of the composition of NHL players that are produced and where they come from. Um, the USHL route and college hockey is becoming a more viable option, even for people that aren't in the United States, people from Canada and Europe, um, all over, they choose uh, college hockey. A lot of, there's a lot of Canadians dotting the, um, top scoring lists of NCAA. There's Swedes, there's Belarusians. You have Artem Levshinov in Michigan state he, I don't know that a lot of people really predicted that a high-end, I mean, I think this kid's going to go top three in this upcoming draft. I really think he should be three behind Celebrini and Iserman. Um, he's been that good for Michigan State, and they're a really good, exciting team. They have Isaac Howard, the Iceman, from um, who his heroics with the U.S. World Junior Team this year, and obviously um, he's a Tampa Bay first-rounder. But Artem Levshinov is just, he's really impressive. He's got seven goals and 19 assists in 26 games. So he's averaging a point a game. He's physical. He's involved in the play. He's noticeable every time he's out there. He drives the back end as a the youngest player on it for Michigan State. So, But there's, there's players all over for um, 
the U.S. and uh, for the U.S. college hockey. I mean, these these guys really do come from everywhere. They have players from Latvia. There's players from Great Britain on there. And it, it shows, one, the growth of hockey, but also the accessibility of high-level hockey. Um, the college group, I mean, if you can get a college degree playing hockey, there's not really a lot of better things you could get out of a game other than the travels, the experiences. But if you can really go and get a college education, and we do know that the, the CHL and junior hockey does a lot to um, put people into the next level of college for every year you play in the CHL, you get a, um, you get a year of um, Canadian, Canadian university tuition paid for. So it is, uh, but no, college hockey is just a very exciting thing to watch. And I'm going to watch, like I said, I'm going to watch the game tonight, Boston university versus Northeastern. We only have two NHL games on the tap tonight. So, um, We'll, we'll talk about those a little bit, too. But I definitely had to give college hockey its shine. Um, like I said, it's a good year for the Blue, blue Blood programs. And um, it's been a while for um, that to kind of take shape. I think, again, I think that's the direction college hockey wants to go. We'll see how some of these other programs go, too. One of my favorites is Rochester Institute of Technology. I've watched them a lot. Uh, they're a fun, young program. They're a niche school that doesn't really have a lot of the the hockey culture, but they do have their own hockey culture. And Western New York is a great hockey area too. And, um, they, they love their hockey at RIT. So, um, that's a exciting team to watch out for. I would say, um, as the season gets to a close, I know Colorado college excites a lot of people too. Um, we shall see how it'll go. Um, I, I think Quinnipiac could repeat, We'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Denver, you can never count them out. I just, I love talking about these schools. Um, it's, it's very exciting hockey. It's only getting better. Um, it's starting to really compete with major junior, like we said about where these players come from in the national hockey league. And all, all these players are very talented. They could have their choice of playing anywhere they want for the, for the rest of the world. And, for the rest of their hockey playing careers, if that's what they choose to do. And Raven and I were talking about this a little off air where you can, in a lot of sports, I know American football isn't really one like that, but, and, and baseball is a bit trickier, but in, in basketball and in hockey, especially there's hockey leagues all over the world that will pay for you to live and set you up with either a nice apartment or maybe another job in the town, depending on the level of hockey, if they, um, don't pay you for the hockey. Um, but it, it's a good way to travel. It's a good way to get different experiences. And uh, all of these players are able to do that. So it, it's great hockey to watch. And um, we'll, we'll move on. We'll talk a little bit about some NHL. Um, maybe we'll do a little PWHL. But first, I wanted to do a little this day in hockey history, uh, maybe to lead us into the, the National Hockey League talk from the college hockey opening to today's show. Like I said, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of NHL around. All these guys are on break. A lot of them, you see a lot of um, a lot of beach pictures right now. A lot of um, a lot of players enjoying themselves, getting getting some much needed time away from the game, and um, before the second half gears up and we get All Star Weekend in Toronto, which should be a lot of fun. We're, we're oh, um, I should mention. Well, first of all, thanks again to. Um, Nathan Scheibe for hopping on with us yesterday. He was excellent. He really knows so much about the NHL and not even just the NHL. Eventually, we'll, we're going to bring Nathan on a lot more. He knows everything about 
college hockey. He could have jumped in and participated in that college hockey discussion with me. He could talk junior hockey. He could talk the American Hockey League. Um, he could even talk the East Coast League probably if we wanted to. And I think he would lap me on knowledge about that. So um, he's great. But we're also going to bring on um, Avery Lewis McDougal again. He's really cool. He's going to NHL All-Star Weekend in Toronto. So uh, maybe we'll touch base from him there later in the week. That might be pretty cool on Thursday or Friday. We'll get a maybe a feel for the city and the the vibes about. I think it's really cool that the NHL is going to All Star Weekend in Toronto. I would have loved to have been there myself, um, but um, it, it should be a it should be a fun time. I think they're really doing a good job as far as um, developing the skills competition. We've talked about a little bit. I think that's going to actually make it very competitive, very fun, um, maybe even enjoyable for somebody over the age of twelve. Um, but even more so for the people in attendance there, I think it's going to be a more fun environment at the skills competition and even the NHL all-star games itself because with the player draft and all of this fun stuff. So I think that that's very cool. And also with that being said, I think the all-star game will probably come to Chicago at some point in the next eight years. Let's say that that's my, that's my guess Raven is that we'll get an all-star game here within the next five to eight years with Connor Bedard, the Connor Bedard effect. Do we want to talk about um, what I sent you a few days ago? I don't know if we ever got into this really, but which one? Um, about I forget who it was, but someone in Salt Lake City was uh, like kind of proposing to the NHL that they bring a market team there. Oh, you missed it, man. We I, we might have talked about that with Brendan when oh. you were on here. We broke that on here because that was that was like that was a crazy morning. That was. Um, yeah, that was a crazy morning, but we uh, we did talk about we can talk about it again a little bit. Um, I just want to talk about like if Salt Lake gets a team, where do you think the other team would go? Because you never bring one team into a league; you always so, bring two. I mean, the NHL has brought in; they do bring in one one team at a time. I think um, at least in the latest round of expansion, that's what that's how it went. They brought in Vegas first, and then a handful of years later, the Seattle bid came in and. Um, they did what they did. They built Climate Pledge, and here we are. Um, they added Seattle a couple years later. So what I do think is you, you are right, but I think it'll come with the idea of another team in mind, right? Because you don't one want conference imbalance right now. The, con- the conferences are balanced in the NHL right now, and I think they really enjoy that. Um, so it would have to be like a certain situation where you envision one team going in one spot, maybe one going in another. But the other part of that too, I think is um, the NHL is primarily looking at a lot of Western markets for its expansion. You could, you could call Houston East or West. I would probably lean more West for Houston. Um, Same thing goes for Utah. So we're talking Western areas of the U S here. So maybe we would look at, conference realignment in that situation maybe we see chicago move over to the east even though that would be a little awkward um i don't know really how that would work maybe nashville would move over to the eastern conference that might make a little bit more logical sense um yeah i i think it would be houston if i'm being honest with you if we're talking groups of two um i think it would eventually be houston i know that there's high levels of interest um i don't know eventually how far that's going to go i know that the nhl the i'm a big quebec city guy i i went to quebec this summer for the first time i really enjoyed it the people were lovely laval is lovely um, montreal is wonderful 
It's a great city. There's so much to do, so much to see. It's beautiful. It's a little slice of Europe in Canada. It's um, fantastic. And they love hockey. Like, they love it. It is religion. You can tell by walking around in the summertime that hockey is just religion there. And um, it is just a wonderful environment. And there is a very heavy appetite for expansion to Quebec City. And the NHL was in Quebec City with the Nordiques. They moved to Colorado, became the Avalanche. We all know that. And um, the the thing about Quebec City that I know is a sticking point with a lot of people is not the fan level of participation. We all are aware that if they were to put a team in the Videotron Center, that it would most likely sell out every single night, um, at least for the first 10 years. Um, but I think the the level of concern with Quebec City is the amount of corporate sponsorship that they would be able to sell in a city like that. I don't really re- think that that would be m- as much of an issue once you get down to business, but that seems to be one of the reasons for concern off the hop. Um, the other part of it is um, the Montreal Canadiens, like they kind of have a a domain over the entire province of Quebec. And I think they enjoy that. So you're basically asking to split the market in half again, which I don't know if it would necessarily be half, but you get the point. Um, so I don't know where else I would like to see. I, there's always talk of a, maybe a place like Kansas city getting a team Raven. I think that would be pretty cool. You know who I'm going to say Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. I, I, but then Atlanta would be, and Atlanta might be the the one actually too. You might it may be Atlanta over Houston, um, if it if like it comes in that round, just because that would give it the conference balance without it would give having it the to conference move Nashville. Balance and it returns a team to a city that's been kind of craving hockey again. Like, bro, the Gladiator games are so much fun. Yeah, no, I, I would love to see it. And if they do, I would love it to make them the Thrashers again and bring back those awesome jerseys. And they should absolutely do that. I would 100% be on board for that. Um, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll, we'll see how that, I mean, I, I, I would love to see it. Um, but I, I do think we'll get an all-star game here too, long story short. And um, it, it, that should be really a fun thing for this city eventually. Um we, I think we had the draft here not too long ago. Can you look that up when the last time Chicago had the NHL draft? Um, but I do think a lot more events. I think it was this year. No, no, no. The draft was in Nashville this year. Oh. But I do think the NHL is going to start sending a lot more events to Chicago with the the Connor Bedard effect. Um, not that um, hockey really needs to grow here. I know they, it's a balance between that with the NHL, an event like the NHL all-star game. It's you take it to a place like Florida or Columbus in order to boost the market a little bit and expose the, the city to all the best players in one spot congregating. Um, I got you. When was it? 2017, 2017. Okay. So it wasn't too terribly long ago, but I would still, I would still guess that at some point we get a draft back here in Chicago at some point. Uh, one more. Could you see when the last All-Star game was here? I, I don't have it off the top of my head, and I don't think it's any time in my lifetime that it's been here. I don't think they did one in the Kane, Taze, Keith, Seabrook uh, era. Uh, the very first, I can tell you the first All-Star game happened in Chicago in 1933. There you go. I don't know. 
Does it, do you have any information on that? Was it like uh does it does it say a little bit? 1933 NHL All Star Game. Uh, I can go back to it, but no, no. For the question you asked, yeah, yeah. Let's get when was the last one? January nineteenth, nineteen ninety one. So ninety one was the last one here. So I definitely would book Chicago. I'll even close my timeline in a little bit and say within the next three to five years in which there is an NHL All Star Game because the hope is that in one of these years coming up and hopefully in a couple of them there. Uh, will not be an all-star game because these players will be going to the Olympics. Um, so, but I, I would hope that, and I would almost guarantee that um, we get we get a battle. Okay, so the 19... So uh, that was for baseball, apparently. That was for baseball. Oh, it was? And it was a part of the World Fair, and it was held at Kaminsky Park, which is pretty cool. But now, talking about the first NHL all-star game, it took place... Uh, was it 1934? It so was the year after. The Ace 19, Bailey Bennett. 1947 is what I'm seeing. Okay. It was the All-Stars versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm seeing 1934. Interesting. The Ace Bailey Benefit game was the first All-Star game in National Hockey League history. February 14th, 1934 at the Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, it was to raise money for Ace Bailey. His career was ended by a hit from Eddie Shore. That season, and Toronto defeated a team made up of the top players from the rest of the league. The scored in that game was seven to three, and the crowd was just over fourteen thousand. So that was. Um, it's very interesting that these two articles both are saying these are the first National League Hockey All Star game because that's what I searched up first NHL All Star game. See, I'm not I'm not entirely versed in. Well, it's also saying fourteen thousand here. All star games from a hundred a hundred years yeah, ago, but say, yeah, but I think that this was more of a benefit game. Yeah, this no, it Ace does, Bailey benefit game. It and does so look this like it. This might have been like the brainchild for the the follow up, maybe, maybe because it says the NHL All Star Game originated from the players' committee and was approved in 1947. Okay, um, I, I believe you. I believe you. It was agreed that proceeds would be divided. Uh, one third would go to Toronto charities, and the other two thirds would go to the play- Players Emergency Benevolent and Disability Fund. So every single player got nine hundred dollars added to the fund for a twenty-five sale ticket. Well, I don't understand math back then, but <laughs> you know economics a hundred years ago just they're not real. I don't I don't believe it. But we got some. Uh, some teams. You want to guess the head coaches of these? Because these are some great names. So this is what year? This is uh, 1948. 1947. So you're asking me for all-star game coaches? Yeah. Well, it's the Maple Leafs versus the All-Stars. It's the Maple Leafs versus the All-Stars. So, so it's the Maple Leafs head coach, which can you guess the 1947 head coach of the Maple Leafs? Is it? Oh boy, I'm gonna sound stupid here. I'm gonna sound really dumb here. It, it's not Con Smythe, is it? No. Um, this is bad radio, but it is Hap it is. Day. Oh, it's Hap Day. I should have known that. I what a known name! That. And then uh, for the All Stars, you got head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Dick Irving. Dick Irving, yeah. But uh, a lot of uh, any players of- mentioned? Any? Yeah, they got the whole lineups. Who do we got? Any names? Uh, I'll just go through the black, uh, the Blackhawks that are on this list. But you have right wing Bill Mosinko. Bill Mosinko, yeah. Uh, Doug Bentley, of course. Max Bentley, yep. 
And that seems to be it for the Blackhawks. You got a lot. Give of, me a couple Leafs. Couple Leafs. Uh, you got goalie Turk Broda. Of course. Uh, right wing Don Metz. Okay. Vic Lynn. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Thompson, and Fleming Mackerel. I just like that name. Oh, that's a great name. Gus Mortson's another good one. That's a, that's those are all great names. So do we um, have the All Star list for this year? Is that out yet? Uh, it is out. It, it's a player. They're doing the draft. Remember, I think we talked oh, about they're, yeah. they're teaming up with the celebrities. So it's like Matthews and Bieber and um, Tate McRae is one of them. I believe Tate McRae is with the the Devils guy. Or no, that might be who's the actor. I forget. Um, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Yeah. Or he might be with Connor Michael McDavid. Buble. I know Michael Bublé is the other. Yeah, one. Michael Bublé is the other guy. So um, they're gonna pick the the pool of players that they're picking from is also out too. Um, the, the Leafs have a couple of representatives going, obviously Mitch Marner and William Nylander, um, and Morgan Riley too. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It should be, it should be fun. Uh, Chicago is sending Jason Dickinson, I think in the wake of, or no, they are not, they are not. I, I think that is, that is not true. Um. But I don't think Chicago is sending anybody, actually, because of Connor Bedard's jaw injury, which is such a disappointment, to be honest with you. It would have been awesome to see him in that 12-man skills competition um, against the NHLs, against his peers, against those against those guys competing for the $1 million. I definitely think he would have gotten a lot farther than a lot of people would think. I think a lot of people understand Connor Bedard's impact and his greatness and how good he is. But compared to his peers, even, I think he would have shown very well in a competition of 12 of the best guys in a skills format. What's up? What do you got? Because he was uh, hurt in the beginning of January, he is not playing in the All-Star game. But he would have been named the youngest All-Star in NHL history. Yeah, that's that's really unfortunate for the league, too. I think they would have loved to have him there. I know they would have loved to have him there. You have to keep in mind, this. we'll get a feel from it from Avery when we talk to him later in the week. I'm really excited for that conversation. We're definitely going to get him on probably Friday, hopefully. Um, if not, maybe Thursday uh, when everybody's kind of filtering in. But we'd love to get the, the feel Friday for um, once everybody's there and settled and ready to go. And people have done some media availabilities. And we'll, we'll see what the vibes are like with some of the guys. But um, Did you hear about this the pwhl is going to be doing a three-on-three showcase yep. to conclude yeah, yeah i yeah. didn't hear about that that's very okay cool. yeah yeah no that'll be that'll be great um i think there are a couple players from each team are heading out there and they're gonna do that and they two teams against each other and um should be really fun should be really fun they, they've done a lot to bring out the women's hockey players in years past they've they did like a three-on-three canada usa game one year and they did uh, they, they invite them to the skills competition other years. I've seen that. Um, there's the famous clip of Kendall Coyne Schofield. She demonstrated, I don't know if you saw this, but so Kendall Coyne Schofield plays for PWHL Minnesota currently. And she was the trial run for the fastest skater. And her time ended up being like uh, one of the fastest or the fastest. I can't I can't remember the story exactly. I wish I could do the story more justice than I am currently doing it. Um, but that was um, that was an iconic moment recently for NHL All Star Game. Um, 
we'll, we'll move off from the All-Star game. I did want to, this was all because I wanted to do a This Day in Hockey history. And uh, I may start doing this. We'll see with what consistency we'll, we'll do it. Maybe on days that are more relevant than others. But uh, Wayne Gretzky just had his birthday. And um, he is, in my mind, the greatest athlete relative to his sport. Definitely the most dominant relative to his sport. I mean, the list of Gretzky stats goes on and on and on for eternity, and I don't need to spend anybody's time reading them off. But um, my favorite is that he could have never scored a goal, and just on his assist alone, he would be the all-time leader in points, and he still is the all-time goals leader. So um, that that is the greatness of Wayne Gretzky. But on January 30th, 1990, he became the first player to score at least 100 points in 11 straight seasons. And if that doesn't speak to the dominance of Wayne Gretzky, I don't know what does. I don't know if another player will do that again, um, especially with lockouts and especially with scoring being what it is. I know scoring is going up and um, it is going to continue to go up. Obviously, the skill level of these players is never going to diminish more than it is at its current day, and um, I still just think that um, after that, that um, it, it, you can't score 100 points in 11 straight seasons. And first of all, he he tacked on another two 100-point seasons after the 1990 season. He scored 163 points in 78 games in 90-91, and in 91-92, he had 121 points. And the only reason he didn't have it the following year was because he only played 45 games. So... Um, that being the 92-93 season. So um, Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time, and in my mind, the greatest athlete of all time. I I am a Tiger Woods guy. I think Tiger Woods was more dominant in golf than anybody else relative to the game. That, that period of dominance from Tiger was just so incredible. Um, you know, baseball is a little bit hard to achieve that sort of dominance. I think maybe the... The closest argument we have to something like that could be Shohei Otani right now. So we'll see what the rest of his career looks like with the LA Dodgers. But um, I mean, do you want to get into career just like achievements and like being a good player overall? Or just yeah, I guess I might have stepped on my own argument a little bit there because I think Shohei might be one of the best athletes. He's just a great athlete, but I think the best one of the best baseball players of all time is Ichiro. Like fair, the guy was hitting 25 home runs in Japan and then moves over to the MLB and becomes the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. There's nothing that explains like knowing your sport and knowing the role you play better than Ichiro. Heard, heard. I mean, so and um, we, you know, we 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 always see the the Jordan versus LeBron debate, but I don't think any of those guys really hold a candle to. Wayne Gretzky, when it when the numbers boil down and you really look at the the dominance relative to others in the game, um, we all know what Michael Jordan was. We all we all see that and respect that, and I I appreciate it, and I I see what it's done for the city even to this day. And um, I grew up watching LeBron James. I watched his games on cable television while he was playing for the Heat, and that was a that was a formative time in my life with with sports watching when it comes to just having what was on your local cable. So LeBron, that 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 move to Miami was huge. And yeah, I remember when the move was like nationally televised. And my, my family dad, sat around I was the, me, like the television watching it. My stepdad it. just sat there on the couch, like glued to the TV, nervous about what was going to happen. 
Yeah, man. I, it, um, it it was it was a very big thing, but I don't think anybody really holds a candle to Wayne Gretzky. The the numbers just they they tell the story of it all. I mean, you look at these numbers, you look at uh, his elite prospects, and just drool if you're a hockey person, and you you almost don't even realize how they're real. But you you hear him and you watch clips and you watch old games, and you can see obviously the game against the Leafs, the game seven. Probably he says his best game ever in the playoffs. Um, and I mean, it's like you said, where it's like if he never scored a goal, he still would have recorded a hundred, eleven, a hundred point seasons and won four scoring titles. Yeah, that's insane. That that I mean, that, without scoring, yeah. which is just so crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think there's any any question about it, and. While we're talking about the best of things, too, also on this day, the other the other little tidbit I had was that in 2018, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, recorded the most wins for an expansion team in NHL history. They, they beat the Calgary Flames 4-2 in Calgary. It was their 33rd win in only 49 games for Vegas. And um, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim and the Florida Panthers each had 33 wins, but that was in 84 games. So Vegas was... By far the greatest expansion team in NHL history. Not even close. They made it to the final. Um, they ended up winning the cup just last year, just a handful of years later. That is a premier franchise in this league right now. So um, all this ties together. I mean, the expansion talk we had, the all-star talk we had. It. Um, I mean, that's the thing with the NHL expansion is you have to be, you're going to be competitive right off the hop. It's They're going to do everything they can to, Give the market. Obviously, we saw the Winter Classic was in Seattle this year against Vegas, and that's already the second set of outdoor games that Vegas has played in. So while we're talking about Chicago getting an all-star game, if Utah becomes a team, you know, we're going to get an NHL all-star game probably in Utah as well or something along those lines, maybe an outdoor game or a draft at some point, maybe in Utah. We'll see. Um, that's wild to say out loud, an NHL draft in Utah, but... Um, that is where the future is headed, everybody. That is, um, it's good for the game. The We need to see more expansion into a little bit more of the American markets and even the Canadian markets too. Like I said, I'll always be a staunch supporter for the the Quebec City Nordiques revival. Um, Quebec City Nordiques 2.0. That would, that would be great. Um, but uh, only one game around the NHL tonight, it, or two games tonight, one game last night. Uh, the game last night was a great game. I it was, I, I was stunned that Ottawa came back the way they did. Uh, Eunice Corpusala was amazing in his, uh, relief appearance for the Sens. Um, Brady Kachuk was really good. Tim Stutzlow was really good. Claude Giroux, obviously with the overtime winner. How about that goal by Brady Kachuk to tie it up? I know that's what everybody's going to talk about maybe, or maybe they're going to talk about the, the Giroux overtime winner, but, um, Brady Kachuk just muscling himself to the front of the net right off the face off and ripping the puck, doing exactly what you should do. If you have the puck alone in the slot, don't dust it off. Just rip it as hard as you can, and he's rewarded, and the celebration is awesome. I don't. I know everybody talks about the exuberance of Mark Stone, and he is a very exuberant guy. We're also getting some really impassioned celebrations from Pavel Buchnevich lately. The, we talked about the smashing the stick and the rowboat thing the other day. It was awesome, um, but... The, the happiness of this player to play hockey and to score goals is 
incredible. He loves it. He he cares about his team. He is one of the best young leaders in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. Um, and I think in a lot of people's opinion, too. I'm not uh, coming here with a scorching hot take saying that Brady is a great leader. He does a lot for the community in Ottawa. He cares about the Senators. If there is going to be a turnaround in Ottawa in what has been a season that has come with a lot of struggles, it um, it's going to have to begin and end with Brady and his leadership and determination and him rallying the troops and whoever is going to be in Ottawa, whether it's this season or going forward, his ability to rally and get these guys together and push is um, it's very impressive. It was uh, distilled down to a hockey play in that goal last night. I mean, that was just all Brady Kachuk right there. That was everything he is. Um, that's everything he can bring to the table. And just a great captain. The Ottawa Senators uh, beat the Nashville Predators 4-3 in overtime. And it did not look like it was going to go that way. Nashville was up 3-0. Phil Tomasino scores a beautiful goal. I watched him play a lot of hockey games last year in the American Hockey League and was wondering why he was toiling away in the American Hockey League, never to say that um, too much time. In, there's such a thing as too much time in the AHL. But... You can tell Phil Tomasino has really benefited from it. He um, needs a bit more consistency in his game at the NHL level, such as to be said about most young players in, in the league. But um, beautiful goal by him yesterday. Jakob Tronin scores too. Um, and it looked like Nashville was going to run Ottawa out of the building. It was the 10th straight goal that Ottawa had let in after letting up the last seven in the loss to the Rangers on Saturday night. And it looked very bad and very bleak there for a second. And then Drake Batherson scores. And then Tim Stutzla and does what he does. And Brady Kachuk ties the game. And Claude Giroux, the overtime winner, on a great pass from Tim Stutzla, who takes as much pride, one, in setting up his teammates as he does scoring goals himself. And two, also shares that same, it's not the same fieryness that Brady has, but it's it's a passion and a love for the game that you can just tell. Tim Stutzla has fun playing. He is enjoying himself out there. He loves the success of others on the ice, which is paramount in in any player having success, I believe, in the National Hockey League. You need to enjoy the success of others. You need to enjoy bringing other people up because that is how you win and that is how you continue to get contracts. So um, long story short, Senators beat Nashville 4-3 to in overtime, and that was a game that Eunice Corpusalo really needed too to just come in in relief and after Mad Sogard struggled a little bit, letting in three in the first and um, maybe wanting one of those back, but not that any of them were really his fault. I think uh, Jacques Martin just wanted a switch up in the the vibe of the, the night for the team, and they got it. They got it. Eunice Corpusala was excellent. Um, Ottawa beats them, and we only got two games tonight. No Adam Fantilli tonight for Columbus. That is a... Um, I don't know if it's necessarily, it's definitely bad news that we're missing Adam Fantilli today. I think the news is better than a lot of people feared when initially the injury was disclosed. And it is a, um, it is a cut, a skate cut on his right leg, I think. It is a skate cut on a leg. I don't know if it's his right leg, but he will miss the game tonight in St. Louis. And he was seen wearing a walking boot after the game the other night. And I think the fear or the fear that it was a lot worse is has subsided a little bit. They're going to do some reevaluations when they get back to Columbus. So the fact that he didn't go home early as opposed to 
uh, waiting it out for the game tonight. Um, I think is a good sign for the team and for Fantilli himself. And he's been excellent. He's tied for second in team scoring behind Johnny Goudreau. And he's just been a really br- real bright spot. I know we talked about the um, the Portsline article yesterday from The Athletic about David Yurichek and he he does it's a it's a Sunday roundup conversation with uh, Portsline on those articles and he um, talked a little bit about the deployment of Fantilli and what they've seen from him and um, he's a young player in the NHL he's he's only eighteen years old nineteen years old he might have just turned and I understand his he's winning the Masters right now as far as his plus minus goes but he is. Um, developing still to the defensive adjustments that need to be made in the NHL. And it's uh, it's not a lack of attention to detail with Fantilli. It's just learning where to be and how to be there. And once he learns and develops those reps at this level, he's not going to be missing assignments. He's not that kind of player. He has that ability in him. It's just refining the detail. So... Um, I think the long-term projection for Fantilli is fantastic. I think they have a star player in their hands in Columbus, and I think they have another one in David Yerichek, too. We talked about him yesterday, um, but we will not see him tonight. We will not see Adam Fantilli. We will also not see Patrick Laine, who um, entered the player assistance um, group and um, program, and we we wish him all the best. I hope he uh, finds his peace and is able to return to hockey at uh, whatever time he needs and whatever time he wishes and is able to do so and perform at the level that he feels is indicative of himself and what kind of hockey player he is. Um, But Columbus will be without a couple of forwards, and that is a loss for a team that is struggling to score a little bit. They have some bright spots, right? Dmitry Voronkov and Igor Chinnikov, both of those guys have been very solid. Kirill Marchenko, too. but these guys um, also, like Johnny Goudreau, I, I, I don't think I'm really saying anything that hasn't been said here with Johnny Goudreau. I know he leads the team in scoring, but we all know that it's not comparable to the, the impact is not comparable to the time, his time in Calgary. And I bet he has higher expectations for himself as well. Same probably goes for a player like Elvis Merz Lickens. We'll see if he gets the net tonight. I would like to see him get the net tonight before this All-Star break. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, a lot of teams are on their bye. Um, so um, we'll, we'll see what it looks like tonight. I think it might be a quieter night around the NHL, and they might not try and do anything crazy here. Might not try and reinvent the wall. We'll see who we get for the Blues, too. And maybe we should spend a little bit of time talking about the St. Louis Blues because um, St. Louis is doing really well. They are, if we're not counting the loser point, they're six games over 500, which I think a lot of people would have thought about at this time and not really believed, but especially when you consider where the Blues were earlier on in the season, just kind of in that um, lower half of the Western Conference. And we talked a little bit about it with um, Nathan yesterday, but the Blues have been excellent. Bennington and Hofer have been really good in the net for the Blues. Um and I don't really understand that the the fact that these names keep banding about with the Blues, a lot of different guys, their names popping up and uh, rumor talk. And I, I don't really get it. If you, um, you know, maybe trim the fat a little bit in St. Louis, but some of these players are just really contributing for you at a very high level. Um, Jordan Cairo has been excellent. Robert Thomas has been really good. Pavel Buchnevich is kind of tying it all together really nicely. I know I mentioned his funky celebrations earlier, but just his play on the ice has been 
fantastic and really allowing Kairou to do more of what he does and get back to that. Um, same thing for Robert. I mean, they, they just complement each other very well. They set up each other nicely. Um, Brendan Saad is having a nice uh, bounce back, too. Um, so just a lot of these different players. Pareko's been very good. Um, I've noticed him a lot in a lot of the Blues games that I've watched. I mean, I don't know how you don't notice Colton Pareko, but um, he he's been very, very solid for them. I mean, Prunovich is hurt again, I think, which is a tough blow, but... Um, just very exciting stuff in St. Louis to watch. And I don't, like I said, I don't really think they expected to be here. So I think the smart thing to do would be to stick to where you thought you would be and take the winning games as a added bonus. And maybe they end up doing that. Maybe if they can look to move on from a piece like Kisperi Kapanen or Jake Verana. Um, but I don't, I don't know where that will go. Um, I think Jake Verana is still applying trade in Springfield. I actually am almost certain he is. Um, so, but I think he's been playing well there from what I've seen. So, um, maybe they look to bring him up instead and see if he can bring a little bit of an offensive spark, but the, the Blues have been very impressive since Drew Bannister took over. I think it took a little bit of an adjustment from the Craig Berube era, um, fully realizing the situation, the task at hand, what the current play was with, um, Drew Bannister coming in and what they were going to have to change and what maybe led to the the downfall and eventual letting go of Craig Berube. So um, the Blues have been a very exciting team to watch. That should be a good one. The other game on tap tonight is uh, Seattle traveling just a little bit down the coast of the Pacific and taking on the San Jose Sharks. So um, that'll be a good one too. Obviously, Seattle will look to get a win and maybe push themselves more into that playoff space. We'll We'll talk a little bit more about it later on in the week, too. Um, only three games tomorrow, um, so we'll, we'll keep it light here around the program today. Um, we'll probably cut it short in a little bit here. But I did want to mention, before we get going, that the Blue Jays just signed a... Um, who did they sign from the Boston Red Sox? Turner? Justin Turner. Yes. I'm excited for this. I, I am genuinely excited for this. The Blue Jays needed to make a move. I... Um, I think this is a good one. It's a one-year deal, so it's kind of a, um, a what do you call it, a risk-free, a risk-free deal. So um, I'm looking forward to that, first of all. I'm looking for, baseball's getting started soon, Raven. We're going to... Spring training starts, I believe, in March, and then usually opening day is sometime in April. So I'm very excited. I know the Brewers have had a few pickups. I know they got... Re- um, the guy from the Phillies, Reese Hoskins, I want to say his name, but I don't know. Let me double check. Reese Hoskins, that's his name. First baseman, so that's huge for the Brewers. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I don't know how I feel about the Brewers. I'm still kind of shooken up from Craig Council leaving and going to the Cubs. Yeah, no, I, I mean, can you filibuster here for me for a second? Yeah, just because I'm I'm looking something up. I, I saw an interesting stat, and I, I'll take over for a second here, and maybe you can fill in for me after a while I look it up. But I saw an interesting stat yesterday, too. We, we mentioned LeBron James earlier, but a fact that I really enjoyed was that LeBron has played against 30% of all NBA players in NBA history. And so when I saw that, I had to see if... Um, there was an NHL player that had done the same, and then I forgot to do so. So that's what I was looking up currently. Do you have something you can uh, cover for me here? Yeah, right. I'll uh, do a little bit of a 
forecast to the F1 pod and some of the news that's been oh, going yeah, down definitely. there. Um, some of the biggest news that's been going around that is uh, affecting us locally is Formula One trademarked four different terms, um, all including Chicago Grand Prix, essentially. Um, there's not been much about it besides the idea of they just expanded another street race with Madrid in Spain, and now they seem to be doing something kind of like what NASCAR did last year. But I feel like this is also kind of trying to prevent NASCAR from doing this and doing a street circuit and especially using the city of Chicago. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years with this, but a little bit of other news and some rally car, which is less universally exciting, but it's still cool. Uh, Lancia is making its return. An Italian car maker is making its return after 30 years from the sport. So, they were very, very dominant in the 80s and 90s. So it's going to be cool to see them back. Okay, so I, I got this here. And this is what I was able to find. So like I said, LeBron James played against 30% of all NBA players in history. And that got me thinking about what NHL player would have done the same. And my mind should have immediately gone to maybe the guys at the top of the games played leaderboard. Um, but then you think of... A guy like Gordie Howe, who played a very, very long time. But the thing about Gordie Howe is that he played in the original six. So a lot of the players that have played in the NHL in its history would have come after the original six and likely after Gordie Howe's era. So I don't think he would have had an, a full shot to be able to do this. First of all, I'm just looking through the forums right now. Um, I can't seem to find a direct answer as to what this answer is and I'm going to find some I'm going to do some digging today and get a get a true answer tomorrow a lot of the other names on here are guys like uh, Patrick Marlowe who did pass Gordie Howe for the most games played in NHL history um so uh Joe Thornton obviously is another name that could be on there Yarmir Yager wouldn't surprise me given the amount of different seasons that he played in the the course of time and the duration of length of time Chris Chelios too is another name that that could be a contender for this um so we we will uh we'll get an answer on that and we'll we'll come back to you um with it but the uh that should do it for us here today like i said only two games i'm going to keep my eye on the college hockey game too the bu at northeastern that should be really exciting um and we'll we'll see you tomorrow we'll catch you in 24 hours we'll be back more all star talk and gearing you up for a little break here have a good day everybody have a good one